Hi, welcome again. Thank you for joining us online and on site. And uh, there was there was a line. I have absolutely. I'm gonna. This is my disclaimer. I have no idea what this show that this commercial this line comes from. I have no idea what it's like or what it's about. So I am not endorsing the show that this line comes from. Okay. I have no idea. I, somebody would probably be thinking, well, Pastor, you should probably go and watch some of it or figure it out. I don't care. I like the line that came from the commercial. Uh, maybe it was, I, look, when you're sick in bed uh, and, and you're me, you, you got to do something to keep your mind occupied. So I watched TV and I listened to the radio or the music on the radio and I heard this advertisement and every single time it started with this line something has changed in the world's acting strange and every time it happened I it hit me and I said yep that's a perfect explanation of 2020 and 2021 the world has changed and everything's you know the world it's acting strange Right? Amen. Okay, just wanted to make sure that, you know, some of you were on the same page as me. Uh, when that happens, we look for comfort. We look for uh, some kind of, uh, well, we like something to come somewhere close to normal. Um, and many of us turn to uh, familiar passages of, uh, from the Bible, and Psalm 23 is one of those passages that's fairly familiar. Uh, it's been around for thousands of years, literally. It was written by David, Israel's second king, uh, hundreds of years before Jesus was born. In fact, he's one of Jesus' four, 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 four fathers, ancestors. Psalm 23, written by a little guy who was, a, who not, was later king, but he started out as a shepherd boy. He wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He light, leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Right in the middle of this really calm, well, it starts out calm, doesn't it? Uh, quiet waters, green pastures, refreshing soul, nice, quiet, right paths. And then, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. Boom. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
And it doesn't get any better from there because in the next verse, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You don't build me a fort. You don't call 10,000 angels to stand guard around me. You spread a banquet feast. Time out, shepherd. Don't you think it's time to put up the guards when the enemies are coming? I'm sorry. You may find me asking some strange questions when I, when I read the Bible, I do ask questions. It's not, it's not wrong to do that, by the way. At least I've survived so far. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now this is kind of a rhetorical question because I already know the answer for many of us, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is anyone here walking through a dark valley? What about our online community? Are you going through a valley in the shadow of death? A dark valley. Who can't see all the valleys people are going through these days? I mean, even before 2020, 2021, with the pandemic and all the craziness that's happened since, How many families are untouched by addiction with all of its traps from alcohol and narcotics to work and gambling and and pornography? Not many. What about the families that hear the doctors say, well, there's really no treatment and the cancer is terminal? And what about the, the relationships, families and, that are destroyed by betrayal, abuse, or just simple desertion? Over and over and over again. And, and who hasn't been devastated by the death of a child, a spouse, a parent, friend? If it's not you, who who do you know that's walking through at least one of these dark valleys? These deep, dark, scary valleys right now. Who do you know? Who do you know that's struggling to face the darkness of another day in the valley? All right, let's just be honest. Is it you? Are you going through a deep, dark valley? If you aren't, I'm going to venture to say you might be the exception and not the rule. When we're in the dark valley, we feel like we're the only ones. But I'm pretty sure... From what I've observed, we're all in somebody, in some kind of valley. 
But again, I like to ask question, why does it seem strange to us when we have to go through the valley of the shadow of death? When we have to go through these deep, dark valleys, why does it seem strange to us? Devotional author Oswald Chambers points out in, in his writings, the average view of the Christian life is that it means deliverance from trouble. But, he says, it is deliverance in trouble. Which is very different. If you are a child of God, there certainly will be troubles. And Jesus says, do not be surprised when they come. I did a little research, and he was referring to the promise, but what I call the least quoted promise of Jesus in the entire Bible. Some of you know, because I've said this before, but it is true. This is the least promise, uh, quoted promise of Jesus in the entire Bible. It's found in John chapter 16, verse 33. Some of you have read it several times this past year as we read through the Gospel of John. And, and maybe you caught it, maybe you didn't, but here it is. John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus has been talking to his disciples the night before. He's going to be arrested in the night before he's crucified. He's tell, been telling them what's going to happen. And he says to them, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In the world, you have trouble and suffering. But take courage, I have conquered the world. The least quoted promise of Jesus in the world you have trouble and suffering. Period. I'm telling you, if you get one of those promise a day uh, things sent to your phone or your computer or you buy one of those little boxes of daily promises, you will not find this promise in that box. It will not come to your email box because nobody wants to wake up and start their day with the promise that they're going to be facing trouble and suffering. Even if Jesus follows it up by saying, take courage, I've overcome the world. Because, well, some of us, our immediate response is, well, that's all fine and dandy for you. Because you've won, but I'm still stuck here. I know. I probably don't want to do that. But. but maybe ask this question. Am I really the only one who finds this promise from Jesus at least a bit unexpected? Uh, surprising? What about just downright confusing? Uh, how can we... He starts by saying, I'm telling you these things so you can have peace. You're going to have Trouble and suffering. How can we have peace knowing trouble and suffering can't be escaped? This is why we don't put it in the promises box. Because who wants to start the day going, I'm going to have peace. Trouble and suffering is coming. 
Could it be, though, could it be, though, that we've been looking for peace in the wrong places? A long time ago, when I really, 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 really didn't like country music, uh, and now I just use it to keep awake when I'm driving and I'm getting drowsy. Uh, there was a song about looking for love in all the wrong places and uh, all the wrong faces kind of thing. Some of you may remember, if you like country music, some of you are going, well, it was a, it was a, that's the only part I remember of the whole thing. But maybe we've been looking for peace in all the wrong places and all the wrong faces. What if peace comes What, what if peace doesn't come when we escape the trouble and suffering? What if we experience peace, Jesus' peace, in the trouble and suffering? And if we spend all of, what if we spend all our time trying to get out of the trouble and suffering, we miss the peace Could it be that thinking sunshines and sunshine and roses ought to be normal in a broken world is wrong? What if it's simply wrong? What if deep, dark, death valleys are normal for this broken world? Psalm 23, what did David say about going through the valley of the shadow of death? Remember what he said? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. One of my favorite devotional writers pointed this out. It doesn't say, I will not feel sadness. Doesn't say I will not grieve horrifically or suffer depression or be angry at God or struggle to believe or even fear the worst possible outcome. It says, I will fear no evil. It doesn't say my worst nightmare will not happen or my marriage will survive or my kids will not have problems or the cancer will be cured, or I will not fail the test, or I won't have to go to rehab again. It says, I will fear no evil. Why that? He goes on to say, ask that question, why that? And he points out, it means Satan, all the demonic powers and all the forces of evil and darkness cannot and will not prevail against you because the shepherd, because of the shepherd. It is, the one, it is one thing, he points out, it is one thing to lose the battle with cancer. It is another thing entirely to lose the war with Satan. about that for a moment. 
But then J.D. Walpat, like your favorite Belgian author, takes it a step further and he says, but what if the real threat isn't evil and the things that Satan wants to do to us, but what if the real threat is our fear of evil and what he wants to do to us? He says there is something deep within every one of us, something primal and ancient that fears evil. What if it is this fear that makes us anxious and leads us into sin and shields us from the awareness of God's presence? What if it's our fear of evil that keeps us from knowing that the shepherd's with us even in the middle of the deepest, darkest, shadowiest, deadliest valleys? What if it's the fear of evil? But he didn't add that verse there, did he? David had a source of freedom. He says, I will fear no evil. What was the source of that freedom from fearing evil? He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. By the way, the rod and the staff uh, were used for disciplining sheep. One was when, you know, the sheep falls down and, and they, this is that, that one with a hook on the end, they grab them around the neck and pull them back up, get them out of the hole. The other was kind of a little club, they whack them in the, they get real stubborn right between the eyes. Not real hard. Just hard enough to say, pay attention. How comforting and reassuring that is. I've been whacked today. God cared enough to get my attention. There is only one reason we can say, I will fear no evil. It is not because evil is not powerful. It is not because evil isn't present. It is not because it is not around us. It is not because we have more strength and we got more willpower. It is because the shepherd is with us. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Now, some of you may have caught it because when I read Jesus' promise, I left out a couple of important words on purpose. Because Jesus' promise had a point to it about peace in this world of suffering. And I'll, let me let you in on what Jesus said completely was, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you'll have trouble and suffering. But 
Take courage, I have conquered the world. In me, you will have peace. Now all through the deepest, darkest, scariest valleys of life, I will fear no evil because Jesus is with me. How did Jesus overcome the world? Author of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 2, there's a big paragraph in 14, verses 14 to 18, right at the end of that chapter. I'm just going to hit the summary of it right here. Since the children of God's family, humans like us, you know, the us, since the children of God's family have flesh and blood, Yep, that's us. Um, Jesus also shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because you done kicked the devil's butt. I'm sorry, that was a Haynes crude paraphrase. It could have been cruder. But my wife's sitting there. And we're online. And we're in church on Sunday. <laughs> Katie would have gone. Yes, granddaughter's present, all that. Right? He conquered the one who holds the power of death. So we don't have to be afraid. It's temporary. We still grieve. But we grieve as people who have hope. We have we grieve as people who say, see you later. Not goodbye. I cannot tell you how many times I've wanted to pick up the phone and call my mom and dad during this crazy mess. What would you guys do? <coughs> What would you do if you were pastoring a church in the middle of this? And I go, oh, yeah. Even speed dial won't reach them where they are. But one day, one day we will get to talk. This isn't permanent. Pain right now. But it's not permanent. Jesus defeated the power of one who of him, the, the power of Satan, who holds the power of death and set us free from the fear of death. So what, what do you think we should do in response? And when this freedom of death, the author of Hebrew tells us. The author of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us 
and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes, focusing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter, the creator and the completer of our faith. Focus, focus, focus. When we're going, especially when we're going through the deep, dark valleys of death, and shadows of death in this world, what we focus on is more important than any other thing. And that focus has to be Jesus. The focus can't be on what was back there before we got into the valley. The focus can't be on, I wonder what's on the other side of this valley. The focus can't be on, I sure hope there's not a wolf on the top of that cliff up there because he can, or a cougar. I don't want to get be somebody's lunch. The, 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 the focus is on the shepherd. Focus, focus, focus on Jesus. <coughs> it, you know, some of you might be thinking, is he yelling at me? No, I'm yelling at me. And, you know, if you need to listen, please do. Here's what I found. I'm telling myself and I'm telling you, this is a sermon in a sentence. Don't, don't, you know, remember this, please. Focus on Jesus to defeat your fear of the forces of evil. We, when we're in the deep, dark valley, it is so easy for us to go to the worst case scenario. Though it's always going to be terrible. It's always going to, I'm always going to be like this. I'm always going to feel like this. I'm never going to have victory. I'm never going to, I'm never, it's always. Church appropriate. Not true. Here. I got to it. It's not true. That's the fear the evil one wants you to have. Focus on Jesus. Here's a song. It's an old one, folks. But it's been coming back. It's, sometimes they, they do that, especially the good ones. Called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Some of you remember it from days gone by. Some of you remember it from recently. First verse goes like this O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. In the valley of the shadow. That's where they are. Are you in the valley of the shadows? Then it says, there's light for a look at the Savior. And life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. won't disappear. They'll just dim. Focus on Jesus to defeat your fear of the forces of evil. So, 
I want to go back to my first question. Are you in a deep, dark valley right now? Are you walking through the valley of the shadow of death, wondering where, where is my good shepherd? Where did the shepherd go? Don't worry, you're not the first one to ask. And he's not mad at you. Perhaps. I want you to know that if you want to turn your eyes upon Jesus, we want to pray with you and for you. Now, some of you are... You know, the curious amongst us are wondering, well, who's this we? Well, it's me. And it's other people here on site. For those of us who are on site, it's other people here in this room. Uh, but it also includes you if you're here in this room. Now, for those of you who are online, it's you and... If you're with others, it could be the people that are with you. Or you can message us and we will pray with you this afternoon. You might be thinking to yourself, but I'm the one who's all messed up. How can I pray for anybody? Well, here's my answer. If we all wait till we're not messed up, there ain't nobody getting prayed for. <laughs> And we need it. We're all walking. We all are walking through some sort of deep, dark valley. We all need to feel Jesus' presence. The world has changed and everything's acting strange. It's true. We all need to feel Jesus' presence with us. We need to focus on him. We need to pray for each other. So, if you're ready to encounter Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, in your valley, by praying with and for others, I'm going to invite you to come meet me here by the communion table. And we're going to pray together.
just start with Frank and Susan here. So they shared recently that uh, they have an ongoing struggle with some uh, some depression issues. Then it gets a little worse in the wintertime when the sun goes away. So it's kind of a double whammy. Now the sun's coming back, but it's awful slow. And then you throw in there that the world has changed. Spirit, we need you. Open our eyes. I pray that you will open Katie and Mary's eyes to see Jesus. Your good shepherd standing next to them, walking with them. would be a reminder that they are not alone. That it would be a reminder that Emmanuel stands right there. And he's walking with them.
hold to it. Share that burden with you. Or take your yoke on it. Because your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. You are refreshed and restored and renewed. This much I know. Jesus stood among us as we shared today in this time of worship. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Whatever we face, we know that he is Emmanuel, God with us. And whether we came to the front or not, I am asking him to reassure us with his presence, to release us from the fears we face, Place that fear with faith and love. I want you to know we are not alone. Yes, the world has changed and everything's strange, but we are not alone. We have hope enough to share. So, folks, you are sent. Go with Jesus. <laughs>